Hi, uh, welcome to the new voting project. My name is Kanal, your host. Um, looks like it's just going to be me on this episode. <laughs> um, and today we're joined by Carol Fife, um, an Oakland City Council member representing District 3, um, the director of ACE in Oakland, uh, a longtime community organizer, and one of the founding members of Moms for Housing, also my personal hero, but we'll just put that aside for now. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I understand you're really busy, um, but thank you. We do appreciate your time. Thank you. This is this is awesome. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Of course, same here. Um, so yeah, let's get into this. Um, just for our viewers, uh, kind of talk a lot, talk a little bit about your background, um, and talk about how college prepared you to assume your responsibilities you do today. Whew, my background, um, just really quickly in a nutshell, I grew up in the Midwest from a, a very small town in a working class family where my dad worked as an electrician and my mom raised me and two siblings. Um, had a really good and strong elementary and high school education. And then shortly after my high school graduation, I moved to California. So um, three years after I graduated from high school, you know, I didn't go to college. I, I took some community college classes and then some some technical courses at a local business school, but um, I, I didn't directly go to college. I, I had a son when I was 18. And so I was more interested in like, how do I make sure that I'm finding living wage work to pay for, you know, making sure that I can take care of a child. Um, and I'm, I moved to California and picked up my studies here. I went to every single Peralta college, every, um, school. I went to Laney. I went to the College of Alameda. I went to Vista College. Then I went to BCC as it was named um, after the change. And I went to the College of Alameda and I ultimately got an associate's degree and transferred to um, Holy Names University to pursue my bachelor's and, you know, then my teaching credential and my master's in urban education. Um, but in terms of preparing me for adulthood, I think it was just the rigors of having to meet deadlines, um, to fulfill responsibilities and requirements through assignments and not just like classroom assignments, but also real life, real world um, work. Um, and that really happened at Holy Names. And it actually prepared me in terms of introducing me to people in real life through action research. And that was the key, it was action research. Um, an intentional project by one of my professors, Dr. Kitty Kelly Epstein, who um, had students doing work in the community. It was a um, part of the curriculum where you have to get engaged in, in, in things that are happening in your neighborhoods or throughout the city. And so I think in that sense, that was the real world preparation because everything else was just really jumping through hoops and seeing if you can get things done in the way somebody asked for it and the time frame that they asked for it. So um, I don't know if that's your question, but I think the most I got of, out of it was the action research projects that I had to do in, in undergrad. Right, yeah, that sounds pretty cool actually. I, I'd probably take that class. <laughs> I mean, you should. I, it, it's yeah. what, it, it led me to being introduced to the people that I work with today, um, to city government, to civic engagement, to um, you know, community benefits agreements, it all happened with that action research project. So it was very valuable. Right. And 
I guess the question that every politician is asked is what, why did you choose to enter, you know, politics? What, what drew you to becoming an activist and a community organizer and now an Oakland city council member? That's a great question. Those are two different things. Like what led me to being an organizer and an activist versus what led me into public um, service because it's all public service. Right. Um, it's just from a different perspective, but they are still very different questions. Um, the, what led me to being an organizer was my relationship with blackness in America and, and everything that I experienced growing up in a um, very black and white town, um, very religious. And then seeing my, my taught reality being different than my um, lived reality in terms of you're taught that America is the greatest country in the world and that we are exceptional and we are just this big um, loving family and like, you know, it's brotherly love and everybody takes care of each other and everybody can make it if you work hard enough. And then living a reality that is like staunchly opposite to everything that I, I was taught was like, wait a minute. And so doing more research and finding out like, what is this thing? Um, and just, you know, having those contradictions made me think like, oh, I got to do something about this. I got to change this right. um, because it's, it's incongruent. So I want things to make sense. And I want us to be all of the things that we say we are. Um, and so that's what led me to become an activist organizer, if that's what you want to call it. I say that in quotes because um, it's often used as a pejorative when you get into elect the electoral spaces that activists and organizer are not necessarily um, respected. Uh, I think I'm changing that because everybody talked down about like, oh, it's different to be uh, in governance than actually to be pushing against it. But, you know, we need people pushing against it. Right. Um, and so what led me to be um, moving more into electoral politics was the request of those individuals that I was organizing with saying this is the kind of energy and the integrity and the commitment that we need in office to get some of the wins that we're fighting for. So um, that's a short and long answer to your question. No, no, and I appreciate it. I think it was FDR who coined the term activist government um, back, mm -hmm. back, in, back in the 40s with the New Deal um, and whatnot. So yeah, no, you definitely are changing the narrative of how community organizers and really how community organizers can transform the political sphere um, in, in an elected capacity. Um, you know, I, I notice you, so that, that should be plenty. <laughs> um, and I guess um, circling back to your campaign last year, um, it, was, it was great success. Uh, what, what were the policy platforms you ran on uh, for your district? Uh, you know, kind of your core values. What are you trying to accomplish as an Oakland City Council member? Uh, one of the things you just talked about was um, FDR and the New Deal. I, I ran on a New Deal for Black people in the city of Oakland. Right. We are supposed to be one of the most progressive cities in, in California mm. and have some of the most regressive policies when it comes to um, discrimination and, you know, all of the different ways that we are, we say we're about racial justice, but then we have 70% of um, well, Black people comprise 70% of the city's homeless population. That's a racial justice issue. And so in terms of um, economic advancement and empowerment, housing, education, 
we're on the bottom of every negative indicator. So I made um, a Black New Deal part of what I ran on is, is creating the institutions and the programs and policies necessary to change that and right side that. Um, I also ran on environmental justice is something now that I'm out of two of the most um, challenging policy areas of um, my six months in office, the Oakland city budget, the two-year budget. Right, yes. And, um, negotiating um, with the Oakland A's uh, to remain <laughs> in city. Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. So now I, I can start focusing on other areas that I, I care about, which is environmental justice, which also to me in, in Oakland is a racial justice issue. Um, but also public safety. It's a big, big deal, not just here, but around the country. And um, I'm the chair of the public safety committee. So that, that's a really big issue to me. And one of the things I wanna do is expand the definition of public safety. So it doesn't just entail policing. Right. I think if we only focus on policing as public safety, then we miss the reality of what we should be focusing on to create safety. And, and that's access to affordable housing, jobs and education and infrastructure and environment. And, all of the things that are, are critically important and, and other things that I ran on. And then housing and homelessness. Clearly, I mean, yes, I, as an organizer and activist, for me, my MO was to stay behind the scenes and be really quiet so you can get more things done because nobody's paying attention to you. Right. But, you know, with Moms for Housing and, and organizing that whole thing, that changed my entire um, relationship to anonymity. Um, so I think it was... It was definitely a switch for me, but it, all, it was also necessary to highlight the um, challenges that we're experiencing with the affordability crisis in, in Oakland. Yeah, yeah. No, whenever whenever anybody references the California housing crisis, I have to correct them and say it's an affordable housing crisis. Most folks don't understand that people, there are not enough houses, and of the houses that are left, nobody can afford. Um, and right. I feel that right here in my city. I'm in the East Bay in, in yeah. the suburbs. and Trust me, <laughs> I can talk about housing all day. It's, it's my yeah. main prerogative here. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to circle back and just have some other conversations because that's one of my biggest issues. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but sticking to the agenda, yeah. um, staying in 2020, um, I like to characterize it as you know once in a century pandemic, which is still going on. We had restrictions announced this morning, um, in in our county. Um, and this great big election, both federal, state, municipal, you name it, there were an, an extreme polarization, right? It was a crazy year. Um, kind of walk me through and reflect back on not only your election, but the general election um, and, and how you felt about it. Well, if you know anything about local politics and Nina Turner, um, who's running for Congress, Congress right now, I just saw her a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. said that like, local office is the closest to the people. And it's a special kind of challenge working on the local level that you know state and federal legislators don't have. Right. And so forgive me if I don't remember anything past yesterday. So I'm gonna try <laughs> to recall 2020 because uh. that, that, that was its own special kind of, you know what kind of show. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, but from what I do remember, about the local election is that I declared publicly in June that I was gonna run 
and I officially started running in July of 2020. So that gave me um, July, August, September, and October to run a, a campaign. And so against a two-term incumbent, that was quite the feat to say, I'm going to run a whole campaign in four months. Yeah, under <laughs> under under a pandemic, virtually. Right? Yeah. Where, where you can't get out and do the things that, you know, campaigns typically do. And I'm like, when I stepped back and looked at, like, I'm challenging an incumbent, and not just any incumbent, an incumbent that has the backing of the mayor, the Democratic establishment. Establishment, yeah. It's just like, when I step back, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But, you know, we did it. We, and I think we did an amazing job at it. And I think that, that um, the work that it took to cover an entire district in a pandemic um, and still succeed in the way that we did, it says a lot for what grassroots organizing can do. And just, you know, also being on the side of the issues that people actually really, really care about. And just average people, not people with wealth or people with position or people with power, but just your everyday, um, you know, working class person, I think really resonated and wanted to see a progressive change. And that's really scary to people. Um, also on a federal level, because you know, I wasn't really tuned in to what was happening. I, I know, you know, some folks that I, I liked were running for office. Um, Bernie actually won, Bernie Sanders, when he was running, won Alameda County in, in the general, I mean, in the um, primary. Yeah. And so but it, it was just really unfortunate to see the entire Democratic establishment almost duplicate the talking points of the right in, in discrediting um Bernie Sanders and, and his run for president. But, um, you know, it's all good, but definitely had the support of, of that group of folks on the ground in Oakland. Um, wish we would have been successful nationally, but um, it is what it is and we keep organizing. So, of course, you know. yeah. and the fight doesn't stop. That's right. Um, and I guess shifting to the main focus of this channel, which is to talk about the voting rights challenges um, throughout the United States currently. Um, in the 21st century. It's the same problem. It's been happening for a couple hundred years now. Right. Um, my first question uh, is pretty simple. How important is voting? Oh, that's a, listen, do you want me to go in? You want me to get my perspective? Of course. That's what we're here for. I think you look, you can look at it multiple ways, right? I think on a local level, voting and getting engaged civically makes a huge difference. You can reach out and talk to your um, elected officials. You can contact with, contact them. You can create campaigns that really have an impact. I honestly believe that the further up you go, the harder it is to do that. Um, we struggle on a regular basis being able to move progressive policy on a statewide level because those folks are so disconnected, right? Um, it, it's, it's really difficult to get stuff done on, on higher levels, but it's important to organize. And I think electoral wins are directly parallel. They, it's not everything, but directly parallel with your ability to organize. Um, and and the, the higher you go, the di more difficult it is to do that because it's so, um, it's so dependent on how much money you can raise. And it, it, it gets really difficult to do that. Um, but voting is not a silver bullet. Voting is not going to change the systemic issues that we need to change in order to make the differences that we know we need to see. And that big money is so tied up in our electoral system 
it's damn near impossible to get the revolutionary change that we need to make a, to make a, a real dent in some of our problems around the environment, around um, uh, decriminalization of, of even of drugs. Like it's still illegal. It's, you, weed is legal in Oakland and in California, yeah. but on the federal level, it's not. So um, just in our carceral state, there's so many changes that need to be made that voting in and of itself is not going to change. We need grassroots organizers pushing outside of the electoral process to continue to, to get some of the wins that we need to see. And, and voting is also a tool in that tool chest, but it is not a silver bullet. So I just want to say that it's important. It's not the be all end all. Yeah, no, I, I like to say voting is the first step, but there are, you know, voting protests. In some ways you're just, per, you're fulfilling your, in my way, civic duty, you know, to, to fight for what you believe in. But the next step comes when you, notice a problem, have or want to create a solution and try to implement it. And whether that's at the organizing level, whether you run for office and you try to accomplish those goals like yourself, um, you know, it, it, voting cannot, like you said, it's not the silver bullet. Um, and I, But I encourage all my friends top to bottom to vote, to pre-register, to do it. Um, but it, it has to be more. It has to be more than just performative activism. Um, and I guess this is an issue that we also see in Oakland. Um, should 16-year-olds, you know, I'm, I'm 17. I'll be um, voting in my first election next year. Uh, I'm already pre-registered, so I'm excited. Very good. Um, should 16, 17-year-olds be allowed to vote, cast a ballot in their municipal elections, for their school board elections, um, or in, in any elections? I absolutely believe that young people whose lives are impacted by the decisions adults make mm -hmm. should be able to lend their voices and participate in the, um, in the process. Um, especially high school students voting for um, school board rep representatives. Yeah. I think it's critical. Yeah. I know in Oakland, our um, young people are far more engaged and active around issues that impact their lives in a way that's more progressive than a lot of adults. So I think they are well studied, they're well read. They, um, there are several groups that host forums like candidate forums. I think anyone that's gonna do the research should have a, a, a role in the, in the things that impact their lives. And thank God for young people because they're the ones that are um, champion, championing climate change action, um, racial justice action, um, you know, addressing the criminal justice system. I mean, they're doing the work and are just not respected. And I think the more we have the voices of young people, the, I think the better our, our government will get because they're actually trying to hold adults responsible for the mess that they've made over yeah. generations. That we will have to eventually inherit. Exactly. Right. Um, and kind of an extension of that is the voting rights issues we see in, in Georgia, um, in, in Texas. Um, it, it goes up as simple as nonpartisan, you know, poll workers handing out water bottles and being punished, um, you know, for five years or something like that. Right. Um, wh what are your thoughts on, on these crazy and in some cases, almost in my opinion, illegal <laughs> Um, you know, voting rights restrictions um, after the 2020 election? 
I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, this whole system of control, um, especially based on race, has not changed since um, Africans were were brought here um, and enslaved and used as chattel since uh, the lands of our indigenous um, family members were stolen and taken and they were interned. I mean, the systems of, of white um, pa patriarchal control have not changed. They've kind of gone underground in terms of just like blatant um, racist and um, blatant gender bias and how that plays out in the world. But I think because we're in the late stage capitalism, a period of late stage capitalism, and people feel like they are losing, especially this whole, it's, it's, a, it's a mindset and it's a structure that keeps things the way they are in, in terms of controlling who can vote and how they can vote and all these things. It's a, it's a system of, of white male power and they see that they're losing their grips with power. I think by 2040, I think um, white people are supposed to be the minority in America. And I know that's, that's like right around the corner. It's scaring the crap out of people because that means their political power can also shift. And so that means their control over all of the things that they've been in control of. So um, the, I think these things that are happening in the South in terms of chipping away at people's ability to vote is an aspect of trying to maintain that power in those systems. And you know, folks gotta keep fighting it because if it didn't matter, they wouldn't be paying attention to it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I guess we're, we're wrapping up. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a little busy these days. Um, just in closing, what would you recommend to my generation? I think the term is called Gen Z. Um, not really sure where they got the Z from, but I, I just go with it. Um, you know, how do we make an impact on not only voting, elections, the policies that we believe in, or just wanting to stay engaged? You know, what's your advice to us? Like I was saying, we're inheriting these issues. We'll be the next class of voters. What are we supposed to do about it? Oh my goodness, just keep being who you are. I have a Gen Zer in my house who's more active and more powerful than me on any day. And you know, she's it. done work, uh, she's, she's amazing. And, and I learned from her in, in many ways, but it's still important to keep learning. Find people that you trust, that you can listen to and, and mentor with and understand that you all are also teachers to us. Like we are students and teachers of each other. So find someone that respects youth voice to, to teach them and also learn from them because the issues that, that you all care about are the issues of today and tomorrow. So get engaged, find someone that you can talk to and listen to and organize with and, and keep being present and, and showing up and loud. Be loud about the things that you care about and try to find other people who agree to um, the same thing that you do and build from there because most of everything that I've heard from the young people that are in my direct circle because of, of my young person, everybody is, is passionate about wanting to see a better tomorrow, but sometimes might know, not know what to do. So find some, some folks, reach out to me. I mean, don't do it by email, do it by text. Um, and we can figure out like how to get you plugged in and how to organize to get other people um, motivated to actually do some work and show up to, to change some stuff.
Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and speaking of you, um, how can viewers stay updated on your platform? You want to link your socials. I'll have them in the description, but if you want to let them know where to go. I'm most active on Twitter until I get like super frustrated, but folks can talk to me directly on Twitter. I'm getting better at Instagram. Okay. Um, you can, everybody can find me at Carol with two R's and two L's underscore Fife at most of those places. Um, but you can also text me. Um, I try to stay on top of my texts. Um, emails are terrible okay. unless you contact my chief of staff and that's TV. That's how I did it. <laughs> See, you already know you already know yeah. it's just, I get like 500 a day it's like it's it's really difficult to stay and if I was on email all the time I wouldn't get anything done in the real world um in terms of the policies I'm trying to pass but folks can text me at um my my um cell phone number that's 510-255-0236 um I try to stay up on that as as much as possible but also, just check me out on social media. That's the easiest way. And can you follow me back on Twitter? For sure. Hold on. Let me do that right now. <laughs> I'll follow, I've been following you for a while. Oh, my God. And so you just got to, like, hit me up and be like, hey, what's up with the follow? Yeah, man. I'm still, I'm, I'm not Gen Z. I'm not as quick on the draw as y'all are. Uh, I think you're pretty close to it, though. What is your name on Twitter? Uh, it's just my first and last name. First name, underscore, last name. Kanoa Kauai. Got it. I'm going to follow you, Kanoa. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Okay. What else do I need to do? <laughs> Nothing for now. I'll go you in the loop. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just my head. Um, oh, look at you with Danny. He's a really good mentor. He's actually my first podcast um interviewee he's a really good mentor um, awesome. me and him talk all the time sometimes for hours um, wow. yeah so he's been great but um yeah is there anything you'd like to add before we close the interview listen like i i don't know who's gonna hear this i don't know who's gonna watch but uh it seems like stuff gets really hard things are really hard and sometimes figuring out what to get engaged in is overwhelming because everywhere you look, there's some kind of crisis or drama. Um, pick a little thing, even if that little thing is just um, something that you think is insignificant, but try to get involved in something that has an impact on um, something that's bigger than your individual self. It, it, it unites you with a, the common good and a collective desire to make the world better and it feeds you in a certain kind of way. Um, but also make space to take care of yourself. I think it's really important. It's something I'm still learning um, and I haven't quite perfected yet, but um, there's always a balance to this thing because you can wake up and find that you've given so much that you don't have anything for yourself. So in this work of organizing and, and actively trying to transform your community, just find the balance that's, that's really key in being able to have a long career and doing whatever it is that you choose to do. Okay, word well spoken. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show um, and bringing your very unique perspective. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And I think, you know, the viewers will find this really interesting. Um, I'll link your socials in the description. Um, and yeah, no, we're, we'd be happy to have you back. Um, if you ever, you know, aspire to climb for higher office, I'd be happy to have you back as a candidate. Um, talk about your policies or, you know, 
um, if you're in, if you want to introduce something else, um, be my guest. Come back. We'd be we'd love to have you back. That's that's amazing. And whatever you're trying to do, let me know. Let me know how I can tap in. Like if you need some support, if you're trying to do some things or whatever you're trying to organize, just keep me posted. We're, okay. we're um, I'm following you now on Twitter, so I'm gonna create it. Sure. Let me see. Let me do an alert so I know when you're tweeting stuff. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I get on Twitter every day. I retweet everybody I follow. I guess I try to get their messages out. They can say it a lot better than me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to retweet. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, and please do enjoy the rest of your day. You do the same. And thank you for this. I, I love this. This was a great opportunity. Of course. And, of course. Um, keep it up. Thank you. Take care. Right. Take care. Bye.